0: Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Brian Candello. Good morning, church. Much has been made of a Photoshop poster in recent weeks, as if I would need Photoshop to grow this beauty. So, yeah. Um if this is your first weekend at Salem Alliance, <laughs> welcome. Uh, it's a long story. I apologize for that. Uh good morning, church. Good morning, live stream. Good to see you here. For those of you who think that you came in at the end of the 8:30, welcome to the 9:30 service. It's good to see you here as well. So uh, I don't want to overpromise on this message, but it's going to change your lives <laughs> forever. And that may or may not be hyperbole, but I want to share with you some inspirational and transformational ideas. Ideas that once you see, once you can see the genius of these gems, it's going to be hard not to implement them in your everyday lives for instance have you ever tried to fill up a bucket in the sink but you can't quite get the bucket under the faucet and you can't get enough water in there i told you inspirational transformational stay with me and so all you have is just a little bit of water how about this for a brilliant idea just use a dustpan put it there a clean one let it run off into your bucket problem solved or you're at the airport And you're at the carousel where all the luggage just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning and every bag looks the same. And every time you reach to grab one, someone else reaches to grab the same bag. Have you ever just put a ribbon on your bag? Anybody do this? It's a great idea. It saves a bunch of time. This next one is for young parents, parents of young kids. You need to go out and just buy a huge stack of poster board. And just trust me on this, because what this is going to do is it's going to save you countless trips at 9.50 at night to Walmart or Target to buy poster boards so your kid can finish the school project. So buy it now, put it away for later, and you'll thank me. What about hiccups? Everybody has a cure for hiccups. Drink water, drink water upside down. My daughter has recently gotten to tell me, hey, if you hiccup again, I'll give you 10 bucks. And then I can't ever bring a hiccup out. So that's a great one, but also a spoonful of peanut butter will do it, and it's delicious. Avocados. Everybody has an idea about the best way to pick avocados and the best way to keep them before they go bad, because we know that the life cycle of an avocado is this, almost, 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 too late. (laughs) You missed it. And so science tells us That if you put your avocados in a bowl of water and put them in the refrigerator, they will last the longest. Or when you go to a grocery store, and it's your big weekly shopping trip, and you have all of these plastic bags, and you know the smart thing to do would be to make two trips to the house, but you never want to do that. Well, I could carry these all at once, and so we all do the same thing. You stack the bags all the way up your arms, don't you? And it's cutting off the circulation to your hands, and it's having a hard time carrying all these things. Two carabiners. If you just grab a carabiner, a big one, you can just loop it through the bag tops and just carry them in like handy-dandy handles. There you go. I told you, informational, transformational truths this morning. Lastly, the proper way to eat a cupcake. (laughs) Guys, this is really important. You take the top off, and then the bottom, and you smash it so the frosting is in the middle. Does anybody eat a cupcake this way? Who are my people? Ever since I learned this, this is how I eat them all the time. It's the proper way to do it inspirational, transformational truths. You see, these gems fall under the category of life hacks. Everybody has life hacks. You probably have one or two things that you're passionate about, things that you do that you don't think other people do, and the internet is full of life hacks. If you want to take a deep, dark spiral this afternoon, just Google life hacks and you can spend hours. And a life hack is just a strategy used to do things better to be more efficient, to increase the quality of life. But the point is this, the point is that when you learn about these things, when you have that aha moment, like that just might work in my life, that you begin to put them into practice, you begin to live them out. And then when you do in your excitement, you wanna share them with others. Hey, I see you eating that cupcake wrong. Here's the right way to do that. Your life's gonna be so much better. We embrace this pattern of, of learning and living, and then giving that away to other people. And it's, quite honestly, the same pattern that should be mirrored in our walk with Jesus. A pattern of learning, and living, and giving. And we're going to talk about those three words this morning. We're finishing up our series, Kingdom Come. We've come to the conclusion. We began at the beginning of January with an acronym, AIM. And it stands for Allegiance Integration Mission. And then all of the subsequent weekends, we've jumped into the kingdom parables in Matthew chapter 13. And these sit kind of structurally at the center of the book. And they're also the lens by which we can look at the entire book of Matthew. And quite honestly, the lens that we can look at our lives through. Because we're meant to understand our lives in light of God's kingdom and the one true king. And we've been defining God's kingdom as this. The kingdom of God is the society in which God's will is done. You See, that's, that's the goal. That's why we're here. That's what we're working towards, to create this society in which God's will is done. So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you brought your Bibles, well played. If uh, extra Bible bucks for you, you can pull out your phones or whatever. We'll have it on the screen as well. But this is kind of the wrap up. This is the conclusion and application to all of the kingdom parables This is the check for comprehension, the the exit ticket, if you will And we've gotten to go through these amazing teachings of Jesus I love verse 17 of this chapter It says, I tell you the truth, Jesus is speaking Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it And I just sat back in wonder at this verse as I've been studying this passage again, just this idea that we didn't get to see everything, but we get to hear. We get to hear the teachings of Jesus, and it's absolutely amazing that we get to do so. And I hope that you're as excited as I am by this. But what are we going to do with the things that we hear? What are we going to do with these gems that keep coming to us in the form of these kingdom parables? And so this is what Jesus says at the end of this in verses 51 and 52. He's been teaching publicly and then he's pulled the disciples aside and began explaining many different things that he said. And so he asked the disciples, do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. There's a whole lot we can break down, even though it's just two verses. But I want to begin by just focusing on this part that says, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple. Every teacher of religious law. Now literally translated, this is scribe. So this verse is saying, every scribe who has been trained in the kingdom. Jesus is saying every scribe who's been trained in the kingdom. A scribe is a writer, but it's much more than that. You see, a New Testament scribe is someone who studied the law. They studied and studied and studied and learned about the law. That was the first thing they did. And then they were to be the example of what that law looked like lived out. So they studied the law, but then they walked around and people could look at them and like, okay, this is what the law looks like personified. They were living it out. But they also had a role of answering difficult questions. Their third responsibility was to bring justice. And so they were learning and they were living and they were giving. Just like those life hacks, learning and living and giving. And this verse is interesting in that it's one of the few places where Jesus compares his work and the work of the disciples to that of religious teachers. And if you're familiar with the New Testament, you may be wondering if Jesus was complimenting them or condemning them. Was this an honor or a slap in the face? Because there were certain groups that continued to put up obstacles to Jesus' ministry, to his kingdom. The Pharisees, you're probably familiar with, the religious leaders and teachers and the scribes. And Matthew has 21 negative references to these groups of people. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Matthew 7, Jesus taught with authority, not like the scribes. In Mark 11, we see that the religious teachers and the scribes were plotting to kill Jesus with this in mind, right? This comparison doesn't seem that favorable. It's like Jesus saying, You're my stormtroopers. You're Slytherin. You're my New England patriots. All the really negative things that we can think of. But this wasn't always the case, right? It wasn't that the role of scribe was bad. It was that it kind of evolved into such a place where their interpretation of that role was bad. You see, in the Old Testament, Ezra was a scribe. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that he was a great scribe, and he studied, and he learned, and he lived it, and he taught the nation how to walk in holiness. And so in Scripture, we have a great beginning for the scribes, but as often happens— Rigidity set in. There became this obsessive focus on the minutia and the man-made, and tradition became more important than the truth. And so we get legalism and we get self-righteousness. And so the scribes of Jesus' day missed the King and His Kingdom. But Jesus is calling His disciples back into this role, and He's calling us as His disciples back into this role he's calling us into a kingdom scribe role kingdom scribes who've been discipled in the kingdom and so how do we live as kingdom scribes how do we live in and live out god's kingdom and that's what we want to talk about you see kingdom scribes are consistently learning living and giving Kingdom scribes are consistently learning, living, and giving. And this isn't a one-time thing. This is a cyclical process. This continues to happen. We're learning, all the time learning. And then we're living these things out. And then we're giving them away. Learning, living, giving our entire lives. And so I want to talk about those three things. You see, the first step to being a kingdom scribe is learning. In verse 51, Jesus asked the disciples, do you understand these things? Yes, they said, we do. And honestly, my first response to this is, really? Do you? Or are you just saying that? Is it like when the math teacher says, do you understand this equation? And you're just like, yeah, sure I do. Just don't ask me to explain it. Or I hope there's not a quiz or anything. And it's not my intention to disrespect the disciples, because I'm not sure we always understand it any better than they did. And we have volumes of scholarly work on everything that Jesus said. But we do know that they had to ask for an explanation. Twice in this chapter, they're like, Jesus, can you explain this to me? And then two chapters later, Jesus is like, don't you understand yet? Don't you get it? But what I love about the disciples is they continued to ask for clarity. The disciples were learners. They were asking questions. They were trying to figure it out. This is a wonderful posture for us to have, this posture of being a learner. C.S. Lewis says it this way, God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other slackers. If you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something that is going to take the whole of you, brains and all. Yes, we need to have our intellects engaged. We need to be learners. It's the first step in becoming kingdom scribes. You see, New Testament scribes were looked at as leaders, But as we see them, they're not very good learners. They couldn't learn from Jesus. They didn't think Jesus had anything to teach them. And I think sometimes we can kind of get to a point in our walk with Jesus where we're like, we're good. I mean, I'm saved. I've I've asked Jesus into my heart. I know the ABCs of salvation. I know a couple verses. And really, what more is there to learn? It's kind of just a simple thing, right? Kind of like... Just riding a bike, right? I love to ride my bike. I always have loved to ride bikes ever since I got my first BMX bike as a kid that I never took on a BMX track ever, just always on the street. It's like having a Hummer that never goes off-road. That's kind of how I was. But riding a bike isn't that difficult. Once you learn to ride a bike, it kind of sticks with you. Once you learn, you're good to go. We have an idiom for this, right? It's like riding a bike, which means once you learn, you don't forget that. There's a beautiful simplicity to bike riding, and yet it's a complex simplicity. And so recently, I've I've wanted more. I've wanted to go further. I wanted to be better at bike riding. And I didn't want to just get an e-bike and let it do all the work for me. And so I found myself doing some research. See, I've always done 10 miles, 10 miles, 10 miles, but I wanted to do 40 and 50 and 60 miles. And I realized that it wasn't just, oh, just get on the bike and pedal. It's like riding a bike. But in I'm researching, I'm finding out, wow, there's a particular geometry to bikes that fits you really well and helps you go further with your stack and reach. And there's a, there's a cadence that you need to get into that's optimal. And core strength is just as important as leg strength. And there's all of these amazing things as pacing and practice in intervals. And I'm learning that there's so much more to learn. It's not just like riding a bike. Sure, it's simple, but there's more. And in our walk with Jesus, it's a lot the same way. There's a beautiful simplicity to it, but it's a complex simplicity. You see, kingdom learning is a lifelong journey because there's always going to be more for us to learn. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, have infinite breadth and depth. We'll never get to the edges of who they are. There'll always be more to learn. There'll always be more to be thankful for. There'll always be more to give our praise to God for. That's why it says in this verse that the the homeowner, he went to his storehouse, his storeroom. It doesn't say he opened up a small envelope and pulled out a gem. It doesn't say that he pulled the side drawer open on the end table and pulled out a gem. It says he went to the warehouse, the place that's big, the place that can hold all of these kingdom principles. Because there's so much to learn. And so, church, are we humble and hungry Are we listening and learning? Have we engaged our intellect to be kingdom scribes? Verse 17 of this chapter says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. We're called to learn about who God is. That's the first step. And then from learning, it spills into living it out. It says they were scribes who became kingdom disciples, who were fully committed to God's kingdom, who had sold everything to get the pearl, who had ransomed everything for the hidden treasure so that they could walk in this way, so that they could be kingdom disciples. You see, a disciple is an interesting word. It's only used in the first five books of the New Testament and quite extensively, actually, in the book of Matthew. And it means an apprentice. It just means someone who follows. An apprentice is someone who learns from the master, but they learn from the master so that they can do what the master is doing, so that they can live like their teacher. It's someone who gains the wisdom of the kingdom, but also walks in the way of the king. Kingdom scribes don't just learn kingdom principles in an academic sense. They learn kingdom principles so that they can live them out. That's what we're called to do. You see, we're not just informed, we're invested. We're not just trained, we're transformed. We're not just directed, we are discipled. Because knowledge without application is arrogance, Knowledge without application is arrogance. Spiritual maturity is not measured by biblical knowledge, it's measured by biblical application. A lot of people in the New Testament had biblical knowledge. We call them the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious teachers. But they couldn't quite put that knowledge from Jesus into action. They weren't living any of that out. See, it's one thing if we can tell you what the root word of peace is and where it comes from, but it's another thing to be a person of peace. It's one thing to kind of conceptually understand forgiveness. It's an entirely different thing to be a person who forgives other people. We're called to put these things into practice. This past week I read a story about a guy named Michael Nicholson. Michael Nicholson, a perpetual student, spent 55 years in higher education. That's one way to defer your student loans, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know if it works that way. 55 years, 30 degrees, 23 of which are master's degrees, which is absolutely amazing. As far as learning goes, this guy has it down. But as I was reading this article, it was so interesting. He has never held a single job related to any of the degrees that he has. Not one. Which is crazy to think about, right? He's gained all of this knowledge over all of these years. And knowledge is great. And I love the learning, but I couldn't help but think, how has this changed your life? How has this impacted your community? How are the people around you different? Are you living these things out? See, we can be the same way. We can spend a lot of time in church learning and learning and learning and hearing all of these things. And we can get 55 years in and still not be living them out. We spent all these weeks talking about the counterintuitive principles of the kingdom, things that we can be living out. Here are the parables that we've talked through. We talked about the parable of the seeds, where this listening posture is essential for kingdom advance. And then we talked about the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And we see that God is patient, and God is sovereign. And so we need to be patient, and we need to keep our eyes on him. And this parable of the mustard seed, and we're learning these principles about how it's just wild, and it's organic, and it's taking root, and it is moving forward. We get to partner with God in this. And then the parable of the yeast, the leaven, about how we have influence. God has given us this influence, and are we stewarding this influence? We got to the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl about how you sell everything to gain this. And even if we gave up everything in our lives, it would still be a huge bargain. Last week, Rob preached on the fishing net. Talked about good fish and, and bad fish and coexisting together. And it's not just enduring, but it's more of a question of how are we engaging and affecting culture around us. All of these counterintuitive principles that we're learning, but we're not just learning them as an ac- academic exercise. We're learning them so that we can live them out. You see, living out kingdom principles is what allows the Great Commission to be accomplished. When disciples are discipled in the kingdom, they can make kingdom disciples. There's a lot of different things that want to disciple us. Culture wants to disciple us. Other people want to disciple us. But when we're discipled in the kingdom, we can make kingdom disciples. And so we do want to learn and engage our intellect. And we do want to live these out. And the last step is then giving. We're learning. We're living and then we're giving. If we go back to this verse and it says the homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. And maybe this is the picture you get when you, when you see that verse and you think, well, the homeowner, he puts on white gloves and he goes into the storeroom and he gets a nice gem and he brings it out very slowly cautiously, no sudden moves, and he keeps his distance from you and the children, especially the children. Don't get too close to this. Now, you can look. It's very nice. I'll show it to you. Don't touch. I'm going to take it back in there now. Aren't you glad that you saw it? And we can think that that's the story that this parable is telling, but it's not. When this says he brings out from his storeroom, it literally means throws out And not throws away, but it's meant to show dispersal and not display. It's the same language used in the parable of the sower. As the sower comes out and begins just throwing seeds out, this is the picture, which seems quite honestly, ridiculously extravagant and wasteful. And yet, this is how God is towards us. And this is how we're to be. You see, once we've learned these things and lived these things, we begin to just give them away freely. What's gained is meant to be given. It's a treasure to be passed on to other people. It's not meant to be hoarded. We've been fed so that we can feed others. Scribes write so that others can read. Scribes speak so that others can hear. To whom much has been given, we are to give these things away. And church, you do a good job at this. I love our church. I love that Salem Alliance is a multi-generational church. I love that represented in this room are all ages. From the young to the seasoned, we'll just say. Maybe well-seasoned, but seasoned. And I love that this place represents all ages. And I love in this place, we have seasoned saints. We have sheepfold represented and celebration represented. Groups that have given so much to this place. And I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for those that continue to walk this long obedience in the same direction. I want to say thank you to those that have allowed us to stand on your shoulders. Thank you for giving. We're called to give away. And I believe that everyone has something to give. I believe that the young and the seasoned have things to give. And I've seen children and youth give away beautifully. But there's just something that's so absolutely precious about people that are walking well later on in life. People who are finishing well. Because I believe that it takes, oftentimes, a long period of time to develop these beautiful gems that then can be given away. I read a study this past week that was identifying 500 musical compositions, generally considered to be masterworks. 500 masterworks, the classics of the classics. And the study was saying that of those 500, 497 of them were written after at least 10 years of hard work from the composer, that it takes time. And he called it the the 10 silent years, that oftentimes it takes time. That's why we have to keep at it. It's what helps these gems to be better and better so that we can continue to give these things away. Church family. Do we have that? Do we have that life experience? Are we giving away the things that we've learned and the things that we're living? Do we have a hope? Do we have a peace? Are we giving away healing? Are we giving away unity? Because that's what we're called to do. You see, there are words of healing and hope that will never get spoken unless you speak them. There are deeds of kindness and compassion that will never get done unless you do them. We're coming to the end of our series. This is the conclusion. We just spent 11 weeks on the kingdom of God. We rarely spend 11 weeks on any particular topic in this place, but it's so important because it's mission and vision for us. It's how Salem becomes a city at peace with God. And so I want to come back to this question that Jesus asked the disciples. Do you understand all these things? We've just learned week after week after week after week about the kingdom of God. Do we understand? Are we learning? Are we living them out? Because it's imperative that we do. There's a desperate need in our world for Salem Alliance to be learners and livers and givers so that God's kingdom can go forward. Because God's kingdom is, is now. Luke 17, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is already among you. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated. We're a part of it. We're his kingdom scribes. It's come in power. It's come in peace. We get to be a part of that kingdom. We get to be a part of expanding that kingdom. We get to pray the Lord's Prayer. We've done so every week in this service, every week in this series, excuse me. We've done the Lord's Prayer. And it's not just reciting it. It's a releasing. You see, every time we pray the Lord's Prayer and we get to your kingdom come, your will be done, we're asking God to release his kingdom power. We're asking God to empower us to help expand his kingdom. And I hope we never pray that prayer the same again. You see, God has sown the seeds. He's the sower. And for now, we're weed among the weeds. We're, we're good fish swimming among the bad fish. And God is patient, and he is sovereign, and his kingdom continues to advance. And like the mustard tree, it's wild and organic. And like the yeast, it is continuing to rise, and we have influence in it. And do you see it? Are we watching this? Do we understand that this is happening, that God is bringing peace, that he's bringing healing? And as people are searching for life hacks, they're finding true life, and we have ribbons on the cross? And church family, it's so worth it. There's self-sacrifice involved. We cannot be the king of our kingdom. But as we saw in the pearl and the treasure, even when we give it all, it's a bargain. And so may we, church family, as kingdom scribes, continuously learn and live and give away these truths to bring fame to the name of Jesus, to expand his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for these verses. And we thank you that you're calling us into something great. We thank you that you are choosing us to partner with you. Continue to allow us to be learners. Continue to challenge our intellect. Continue to be with us as we dive deeper. Continue to give us the courage and compassion to live these things out. And God, show us ways to be good givers. Show us how we give away these gems to those in our family, in our workplace, in our community, as we allow Salem to be a city at peace with you. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.